Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know that the Handlebar is a lovely craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, and they have an even lovelier happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., during which you get a dollar off all of their craft beers on draft. They have 28 of them. I'm not kidding. That's a real deal. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's four hours at the Handlebar. A dollar off any of their awesome draft beers. You can drink them inside, at the bar, at a table. You can drink them outside on their newly renovated gorgeous patio. It's lovely here in Chico right now. Johnny and I highly encourage you to check them out. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, south end of town, right next to Winco, right next to Best Buy. Again, that's the Handlebar. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie show based in Chico, California. I am Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Welcome back. This week on the show, our thoughts on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's the latest MCU film starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Stephen Strange, who, after a terrible nightmare, meets a young kid with multiversal dimensional traveling powers, being hunted by big scary creatures. And it's up to Strange and his clan of magic monks to protect this child so her powers don't fall into the wrong hands. The film's directed by superhero directing veteran Sam Raimi. Raimi, of course, the man behind the early 2000s Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Johnny, you and I are both fans of that original trilogy due to, in part, the direction of Sam Raimi. Hopefully some of that creativity will shine through the thick fog of MCU corporate demands, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, we will, because you saying that I'm a fan of Spider-Man 3 in okay, any capacity. I, I, okay, it was just the intro. Like, I didn't want to mess it up. Like, I, Obviously, one and two were better. A little presumptuous. Sure, fair Just enough. saying. All right, this week on the show, we've got beers from Logston Farmhouse Ales out of Washougal, Washington. The first is called Intergalactic Cemetery. It's a sour ale, clocking at 4%. Nice little session guy for our first beer. The second is a beer called Forager. It is an imperial porter aged in whiskey barrels with candy cap mushrooms, which we will tell you all about once we get to that beer in the second part of our show. That's right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having just the most fantastic Thursday evening ever. I do hate to make it worse by telling you that unfortunately you won't be hearing our episode today in its entirety. You're only going to get the first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Doctor Strange. Yeah, 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 Max. But if they want to hear the full conversation, which includes spoilers for Doctor Strange in the Danger Zone, a review of that second beer with the mushrooms in it, and hot and bothered, where would they go? Fair question. Our podcast is basically everywhere. Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. Or you can just go to our website, freshhopcinema.com. We drop new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. If you like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and or a review, uh, particularly on Apple Podcasts, and let us know that you did. For all your social media needs, find the show on Letterboxd for film reviews and untapped for beer reviews at Fresh Hop Cinema, or like I said, check out our website, www.freshhopcinema.com. And on to Patreon. If you want to help this show keep rolling and be involved in some of the swankiest summer get-togethers that this town has ever seen, you should consider joining. For as little as $1 an episode, you can be a part of the elite social society, nay, underground Nice. Society. Secret society. Nice. Yeah. It's good. But we're telling them about it now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a super secret society that this is a commercial for. Sure. Where if you subscribe, you get bonus episodes every single week with varying levels of quality. <laughs> varying levels of quality and or 
content. Sure. You're going to have some free merch if you show up at some events we got coming. And also, fantastic, amazing house parties. Cannot wait. Uh, let's just say it is Chico's number one podcast, Beer Society. And Fair. you would be remiss if you didn't join by giving us some of your hard-earned gold. Yeah. Um, again, patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Big shout out is in order to our new patron, Brittany. Brittany, thank you so much for joining. What a pleasure to have you on board. Uh, Brittany does not live in Chico, so I don't know how many of our local events she will make it to. But like you said, dude, fun bonus content, which is available to all of our patrons, regardless of location. Uh, do you have anything else on Patreon or should we just get into the goods? Oh, she's in Reno. Maybe we have a, a Patreon road trip. Fair enough. Let's get a bus. Let's go. Okay, housekeeping out of the way, sir. We're getting into beers. You got these this week, and tell me a little bit about uh, maybe where you got both of them and, and what the brewery is. Remind people, please. Yeah, so both beers again this week are going to be from Logston Farmhouse Ales out of Washougal, Washington. Uh, they are a brewery that's been around for a really long time. I'm familiar with their stuff probably for the last, I don't know, as long as I've been in the beer industry. They've sure. been around, notorious for really solid bottles of barrel-aged um farmhouse ales, things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, they've just recently got into canning, kind of just starting to stay with the trends. So loving to see some smaller quantities, a more approachable package size with these guys. Uh, really excited to dig into them. First time they've ever been on the show. So Great. let's dig into it. The first one is called Intergalactic Cemetery. It is a sour ale that's only 4%, and we got both of our beers this week at SNS Produce. Nice. Friends of the show, fantastic beer selection. Check them out. Yeah. Uh, this beer features Galaxy and Citra dry hopping using a... Lac Give it a go. Lachance? I would say Lachance. Lachance. Yeast. Yeast. Uh, the yeast... Wild Brew Philly Sour was found in a cemetery in Philadelphia and produces lactic acid and ethanol. That's so cool. So we're going to have a huge lemony tropical fruit flavor with uh, medium and soft acidity, and it says that it is eminently drinkable. There's some really cool writing on the can, and I have to read it. Yeah, please, by all means. Um, so I've, I've just poured mine too. Um, I, I always get sort of, I always lock up a little bit at breweries that pride themselves on farmhouse ales because i usually have a bit of an averse taste reaction to some of the funkier notes that are present in, in traditional farmhouse sales. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious to know what this is going to be like, but you're looking at the can now. What, yeah. you, what you got? All right. So I got a whole paragraph here. So I want a full three-page essay on this beer when I get back. Here we go. Sure. In a graveyard in Philadelphia in 2017, a group of University of the Sciences students made an amazing discovery. From a collected sample of the bark of a dogwood tree, a previously unknown beer-fermenting species of yeast was found that produces lactic acid during its fermentation process. Creating a beer with moderate tartness and citrus and stone fruit flavors and aromas. This beer may taste like a mixed cultured sour beer, but there is no bacteria or Britannomyces used. All of the fermentation character is solely from this unique pure cultured or pure culture yeast. We brewed a sessionable table saison style wort with malted barley, wheat, and flaked oats in order to highlight the unique yeast character. It was then dry hopped with galaxy and citra to further accentuate citrus, stone fruit, and tropical aromas for science. This beer looks looks like um, it looks like a um, oh man, I'm gonna blank on the name. Um, what's it's like a Lind the brewery Lindemans does it. Um, 
It's it's almost like well I can't think of it, but it almost uh, looks like a goose raspberry from from yeah no not that but it, it almost looks like a goose like a, like a traditional goose. It's a pale straw yellow. Mine's got some little bit of lacing around the top, and it's looking like it's still carbonating a bit. It's fully fully lemon forward. I don't know about the stone fruit business you were talking about. This is this is a lemon fresh off the tree. Have did you taste it yet? Yeah, it's lemony. I feel like I'm getting some some subtle raspberry notes, but excellent lemon forward just pop. It's really, really refreshing. There, there's a bitter quality on the back end, but for the most part, it's a really sweet, not quite as sweet as like a Meyer lemon would be, but in no way an artificial kind of candy lemon. It's a, it's a straight up lemon flavor. Yeah. With, with, with some, if, if, with some warmth in there, it's some softness that mm-hmm. I'm really digging as well. Yeah. It's not abrasive. It's, it's very drinkable. It doesn't have a lot of, of rough edges. It's really like a smooth throughout. There's no bristly, like super aggressive notes in any way. Like it's it's a very approachable farmhouse style beer. Yeah. Have we, we should probably at some point, we don't have to at this moment, we should point out the can art. Obviously. I've, I've just noticed it. You know why. <laughs> like I, I, saw, I saw one side of it earlier. Now I see the other side and I see they're interacting, which is a great joke we'll talk about in a second. Um, but what I was reading on the can is the front that really emphasizes the Galaxy Citra dry hopping. And uh, I don't, this beer doesn't strike me as particularly hop forward with the flavors um, of those hops. Um, definitely not Galaxy, maybe Citra, but it, it doesn't, the bitterness that you would kind of get um, from those hops and granted they're, they're dry hopping it. So maybe they're going for more of the sweetness, but it's not really that sweet either. It's it's very citrusy and bitey, but not sharp like you said. I think it the 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 hops really added an element of like dryness in the in the mm. mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. There's like a dry bitterness that isn't aggressive on mm-hmm. the palate, but it really lends itself to the mouthfeel. So it's you're getting that bitterness in the hops just like with that that dry finish. Like once you it's out of your mouth, the aftertaste, it, it really does dry your mouth out a little bit. Yeah, it's not unlike some kind of mimosa. Would be. I don't know who's making lemon juice mimosas. Oh, that's an aggressive. And move. they wouldn't be as good as this. Is the thing they'd be way yeah. too bitter. But I think this is what a lemon mimosa might taste like if it was de- if it was made by the gods or something. Yeah, it's very good. It has all of the notes of a farmhouse that people sh- like enjoy, that, mm. or that maybe don't like this style would enjoy. Yeah, and none of the parts of a farmhouse ale that traditionally turn people off that super aggressive yeast profile yeah the smell there's no funkiness here no i mean it is but it's so understated and it's just like boosted with this stone fruitiness yeah i get tons of nectarine on this oh nice yeah uh, it's very nice it's very dry it's it's punchy but subtle like it's a really mm-hmm. just approachable mm-hmm. very drinkable uh four percent yeah well, yeah, 4%. Get out. Which is nice. I think, yeah, I mean, we've been doing a lot of higher ABV beers on the show recently. And not that we aren't later. We're doing 10.7% beer in the mm-hmm. second half of the show. But um, with summer kind of rolling around in Chico, it's nice to to, to have something that isn't maybe just a, a Pilsner. Yeah. That has some, a couple more layers and a little bit different that you can reach for that isn't necessarily going to knock you out. And I think a 4% pretty drinkable lemon forward sour ale is great. There's a yeah, going off what you were saying about how this is has some things that people uh, doesn't have the things that people traditionally don't like. Like yeah, this could have been so sour. Like we're not really talking about this the sour yeah the traditional uh, telltale signs of a sour like the lymph node crunch and stuff. Like this is very very mellow, but also really sharp too. Exactly, it has just enough acidity, mm-hmm. but it is not like sour. 
I wouldn't call this a sour. I would call it a sour. I would agree with you. It does not taste sour. It tastes, it, well, I would say it doesn't taste overwhelmingly sour. There's certainly sour qualities. Like the lemon is unavoidable for me. Yeah. It's a well-balanced, not overwhelming sour. Super approachable. Yeah, yeah dude. Fantastic. Great river beer. I knew you were uh, going to say that. Really good gateway to farmhouse beers and sour beers if you have someone in your life that doesn't traditionally enjoy them too. Yeah. I really wish I knew more about the process of making beers in, in a situation like this because I think what they've done here by avoiding the use of any traditional uh, like botanomyces, like they said, this is this is a straightforward beer that tastes like one that isn't. It tastes mm-hmm. like a, almost like a wild ale of some kind. Yeah, which is fascinating. I'm sure if I knew more about the ma- the production of it and the science, like I would appreciate it even more. Yeah, well, because this was a um, a yeast strain. Yeah, nah, I don't even want to venture to see. Sound. Yeah, yeah, right, like right, because I know like the the bacteria that's alive. You're doing it, great, go. That's alive, okay, right, sure. Like I just want like let's maybe let's talk about this like the idiots we are. Okay, fine. So like the bacteria, the Lactobacillus, the Britannomyces, very much alive. That's alive, sure. So like that'll keep going. That's why like if you have a really old bottle, sometimes you pop the cork and it like explodes. Super carbonated, yeah. It's 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 active the whole time. Yeah. So yep. So a bacteria versus a yeast. Different. They're different things. Different. Because Somehow. yeast eats sugar yep. to create alcohol. Correct. And bacteria is like its own thing. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so objectively and idiotically speaking, those bacteria, there's no way to like turn those off and they can just be as sour and as wild as they want. Whereas like a yeast, like once there's it reaches no, its it reaches once a there's threshold. no sugars left to consume it stops fermenting perhaps yes and seen everybody that's a conversation we would have if we didn't know obviously we do but we're hoping that logsdon writes into us with the proper answers for how they did this beer or any one of our many friends that actually make beer (laughs) that's true of course everybody we do know what we're talking about definitely but we're just playing devil's advocate Moving on. Wink, wink. Okay. Let's um, rate this beer. Yeah, it's really good, man. I, I Oh, we got to talk about the, the, the label. Oh, yeah. Um, You know that one film series? It's a sci-fi series where um, the, I think a guy named Captain Kirk fights Luke Skywalker. You know what I'm talking about? Star Trek Wars. Right. The The joke on this can is it's the, uh, the what is it, the Enterprise? Is that the Enterprise? You're God right. It's the Enterprise. Okay. It's the Enterprise shooting uh, a beam at the Death Star. Yep. I, I think it's the Death Star. It could be the, the second Death Star that was called something else, I think. No, that's the Death Star. And the joke is, people, even, you know, diehard fans get upset. Diehard fans of either of these um, entities get upset when you mix up Star Trek for Star Wars. And I like that they have ships from both mm-hmm. fighting. Yeah. Like that can alone is just going to like either make people giggle or piss them off on site. Yeah. Right. I love then they it. try the beer and they're like, oh, I'm not so mad anymore. It's fine. Um, okay. I am ready to rate it if you are. I'm going to have one more sip too, if that's okay. Well, are you ready? Are you going to have one more sip? Well, well I was going to let you rate it, have one more sip. All right. This is a fantastic beer. I think it is super approachable, crushable. It's delightful. There's there's not much I don't like about this. It's going to rate pretty high. This is a, this is an 8.5 for me. Very good rating. 8.5. It's really good. That was my second sip that made my mouth water. Not my second sip, but my second sip since I asked you. I actually took two. I cheated. Um, very refreshing, dude. Yeah. This is really good. Was it pretty pricey at SNS or no? We can't talk specifics here, but no, it was very affordable. Okay. Man, I mean, I dig it a lot. Your eight five is it kind of throws my brain for a loop because it makes me want to pick one or the other between eight or nine. And I'm not quite positive that it's a nine for me. 
but I'm going to say eight. This is super, super solid. I am, I'm very much about this beer. Excellent. Well, that's an eight five for me and an eight for Max. That is Intergalactic Cemetery from Logston Farmhouse Ales. That's right. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get the chance to try Intergalactic Cemetery from Logsdon, look for the Beer of the Week sticker at SNS Produce. done. We do want to know what you think, so please don't hesitate to reach out. And while you're at it, uh, you can take a picture on your Instagram if you want. You can tag us. Hopefully by the time this episode releases, our Instagram is back up. We've had some technical issues. But if it's not, you can send us an email of that picture. You can send it to fhccast at gmail. .com, or if you're enjoying the show, again, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Incoming is a trailer for our movie of the week, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, with no spoilers in the next segment. So don't worry, your pretty little heads. We'll be right back. Every night, I dream the same dream. Nightmare begins. I did what I had to do. To protect our world. You cannot control everything, Strange. You opened the doorway between universes. And we don't know who or what will walk through it. Wanda. What do you know about the multiverse? Viz had his theories. He believed it was dangerous. He was right. I'm sorry, Stephen. Your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of alcohol and film. Possibly craft beer. Possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear this discussion in its entirety. It's going to be available to pour into your ear holes tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, there's plenty more to digest. And what you just heard was a trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Quote, Dr. Stephen Strange casts a forbidden spell that opens a portal to the multiverse. However, a threat emerges that may be too big for his team to handle. Unquote. What a boring synopsis the internet had. Which is not to say the movie's not boring. There are parts of this movie that are boring, and I want to talk about my thoughts on this. But before we get into our thoughts on Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, Johnny Summers, I will tell you a couple things you already know. One, this was directed by Sam Raimi. Two, and this is one you don't know, this was written by Michael Waldron. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, as I mentioned, as, as Dr. Stephen Strange, a longtime figurehead in the MCU. Elizabeth Olsen shows up as Wanda Maximoff slash the Scarlet Witch, much more Scarlet Witch in this than Wanda. Um, you also have Chiwetel Ejiofor as Carl Mordo. He is um, from the previous Dr. Strange film. Um, he is, uh, you know, was a buddy of Strange's, but they became enemies. There's a lot of backstory to MCU stuff you have to know going into this that we might talk about. You also have Benedict Wong showing up again as Wong. He is now the Sorcerer Supreme in the aftermath of the events of uh, Avengers Endgame. You also have Sochi Gomez playing America Chavez. She is the aforementioned teenager 
who can travel between multiversal dimensions, not quite at will, but um, with, a, with a power that she is learning to control. And then Rachel McAdams shows up again as Christine Palmer, Stephen Strange's um, longtime female interest and coworker and other personalities as we get into the multiverse here. Uh, cinematography shout out here to John Mathiason with music by Danny Elfman. This film came to theaters on May 6th in wide release and runs two hours and six minutes long. Johnny, before we get into this, um, your thoughts on Dr. Strange, the first film, hmm. you, you're a fan, you're a it fan of the character. Yeah. It, yes. Okay. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange is immediately identifiable. If you are familiar with the comic books, he embodies the persona mm -hmm. of Dr. Strange to a T. I think the casting was excellent and I am a fan of him as that character. That being said, gun to my head i could not tell you any of the specifics of the first doctor dormammu i've come to bargain you remember that at the very end vaguely okay like it's so vague it actually is very similar to the description i read from the internet is it he casts a bad spell and then there's a portal and then bad guys happen i'm just getting the impression that stephen strange is not the best wizard that's that's really what i'm getting from these descriptions here like yeah come on man cast and, cast better spells yeah he's and he also did the same thing in that spider-man movie he like Started this whole multiverse thing. Yeah. But okay, just, fair enough. So Doctor Strange's flaws aside, I mm -hmm. really the first movie, not that memorable. Okay. It's not standing out. My second question then is is your thoughts on Sam Raimi as a director. I mentioned the Spider-Man movies, which I know that you like one and two. Three has its issues. Yeah. But it also has Tobey Maguire, who you and I both like. Who has his issues? Um, sure. But Sam Raimi has not only done those movies, he's done some other movies that you've seen that I have not. Yeah, he's done one of my favorite movies of all time, right. which is The Evil Dead 2. Sure. So you're a fan. Which is just a higher budget remake of The Evil Dead. This is a oh, is that right? horror film nerd That's conversation. Great. Uh, the Evil Dead was done on a, a shoestring budget. It was essentially a college film, mm -hmm. like a senior project. Also almost. Sam Raimi, though. No? Also Sam Raimi, but okay. very young, very underfunded Sam Raimi. Uh, and Evil Dead 2 really kind of fulfilled his vision and kind of lived up to what he saw in his head. So, yeah, uh, big fan of Sam Raimi. I've been following his career for some time. He's one of the penultimate horror directors of our time. Okay, it's fair to say, and I don't think this is spoiling much from this movie, um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness takes several horror-ish turns. Yes. And I'm curious to know if you think that those were handled well by Sam Raimi, but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe I should just hear your initial thoughts and then we can dive into specifics. Okay, so my initial thoughts were this movie completely checked all the boxes in the first act, which we'll say was the first roughly 20 to 35 minutes sure. or so. W which boxes do you mean? Uh, the boxes of a completely generic plot, motivation, the Marvel setup, the, the Marvel Mar template. Yeah, the essential Marvel template. It checked all the boxes of every other Marvel movie you've ever seen, mm -hmm. uh, which I think by some clause in their contracts, monetarily speaking, they have to do. Uh, and then yes. it transformed into something more akin to a Sam Raimi film. This was the most uh, fingerprinted film in the MCU by a director short of maybe... Um, Taika Waititi's. Oh, sure. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think he has his fingerprints and his style mm -hmm. in Thor Ragnarok just as much as Sam Raimi. So uh, the fact that their style and their vibe was so identifiable makes those movies kind of stand alone mm -hmm. in a sea of MCU mediocrity. Monotony. Yeah, sure. Monotony, yeah. mediocrity, either M word works. Uh, so this took a quick pivot into what 
in a nutshell, I would call the closest thing that we've seen to a horror film in the MCU so far, mm-hmm. which definitely got me on board. There were way more twists and turns in a somewhat linear plot. Like there's only so many deviations you can take. I mean, post Thanos, nothing is going to surprise us in the MCU. So you have to like figure that you have to realize that he's making a movie going into this, knowing that. And then how do we throw things at Marvel fans movie fans, people with $10 in a free Saturday afternoon, Yeah, how do we throw things at them that they haven't seen? You make a multiverse. You make a multiverse. You make interdimensional, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different realities. And I found it to be very entertaining after that initial setup. I was really... It was you and I were both. It, yeah, we saw this movie together. Yeah. And at first it was... Oh, we were. I, there was concern. I would say it was even worse than than because you do kind of go in expecting. Sure, like they have to lay the foundation. Like we have to do some amount of exposition and, yeah. and setting the it scene. Was, but like it was worse than a lot. It was almost a caricature of a yeah, Marvel movie. For sure. It was like like a Saturday Night Live like parody of the intro to a Marvel movie. For sure. Which I kind of like that. Maybe he was almost taking a jab at the whole uh, formula yes, of a Marvel movie. Maybe. I don't know if I'm giving Sam Raimi too much credit for being a sarcastic director, mm. uh, but that's the way I interpreted it, and I liked it. Uh, so it led us down some interesting pathways in that it threw things at us that were much darker, more sinister, more violent, uh, more pretty much outright horror than we've mm-hmm. seen in a Marvel movie. And if you're uh, familiar with my proclivities as a film enjoyer you will know that 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 lights off some bulbs in my head Mm -hmm. and makes me perk up and pay attention so overall i was pretty hot on this movie by the end of it i love the direction he took it Mm -hmm. i love his fingerprints on it loved all the horror aspects a lot of the practical effects in some of the scenes which are um i don't know if foreign is a strong enough word for the marvel universe Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. using practical Practical effects yeah so the fact that there were some of those in this really made me happy mm-hmm. and and it endeared me to this movie a bit more. So I'm going to say I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I did too, man. I, But again, I liked it kind of after the setup. Right. And the setup is so crucial to me for for any movie, but it's certainly a Marvel movie. Um, but more from an emotional perspective, like you kind of have to buy in. And and the characters that are set up early on, like like the girl, America – Chavez, like just really, you get it. Like it doesn't need a whole lot of explaining Yeah, and and they don't spend too much time, but they really try to make a bond between her and Dr. Strange. And it feels so forced. So I found myself that by the time there's a particular edit that I pointed out to you that I think is when Sam Raimi as a director was like, all right, work, homework stuff done. I'm now going to make a movie for myself or or at least the movie that I have to make, but I'm going to put my fingerprints on it. Once that point happened, um, there's a couple minutes and you're like, okay, something's different mm-hmm. in this movie. And, and I'm, I'm battling with the two sides of that. Like, can I justify that entire first slog of 30 minutes for a pretty enjoyable hour 45? Yeah. And I'm not sure that I can, but I did want to talk about a point you brought up, which is a director's fingerprints on movies like this. Um, I think Taika Waititi with Thor is a great example. I think Ryan Coogler with Black Panther is a great example of a director bringing their own vision to it. The one that also came to mind for me is Chloe Zhao with Eternals. Mm. Um, and I Which don't, I haven't seen. Haven't seen. Caveat that. Um, but we both like Chloe Zhao. She did The Writer. She did Nomadland a couple years ago. And Eternals was, by at least my measurements, a pretty terrible movie. 
there were certain elements of Chloe Zhao's directing. There's a lot of like big landscape stuff and isolation shots, and it feels very lonely at times. And I think that's what she does really well. But it wasn't enough to overcome the Marvel stuff. And I think this one falls into the middle for me. It almost does it, but not quite. There's some emotional beats that happen as they have to happen in movies like this in the third act that that either stick the landing or don't. And sometimes it's a little wobbly. And this one felt wobbly to me. I think Stephen Strange here with Benedict Cumberbatch, he's a very good actor for this character. Um, I think some of the Scarlet Witch stuff that happens is not great. Um, I think a lot of the fight scenes are kind of boring. It was fun. Parts of it were really fun, and most of it for me was underwhelming. Yeah, which is a shame because she's the main protagonist. I don't think that's spoilery to say. It's not, especially if you meant antagonist. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You I think it's, it's in the trailer. We we don't often watch the trailer before we say that it's in the trailer and this sort of thing. But This I, one was unavoidable. Yeah. Um, so there's yes. two things I want to ask you. How are we doing on time for our radio We listeners? have time for two quick things. Excellent. So two things in this movie felt forced. Mm-hmm. One were the stakes. Mm-hmm. Which which stakes? Well, the can, the emotional stakes, like the uh, the forced um, empathy that Doctor Strange is needing to feel okay. at the beginning. Sure. And then the forced humor. Uh, Sam Raimi has his own brand of humor, and I think it was more prevalent in the second and third act, and I think it worked mm-hmm. a lot better, but I felt like he was directing his style of humor in an intro that was not necessarily his style. For sure. So my questions are, did the the forced like emotional attachments at the beginning of this movie and the humor throughout work for you? Um, forced attachments didn't really bother me. Uh, they weren't offensive enough to really make a way for me. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, there, there's a scene, and, and this is, I'm almost positive this is in the trailer. The movie starts with a showdown and it's, it's strange, Dr. Strange with a ponytail and this girl like jumping across in this like weird ethereal realm, like trying to get to something, the, the book of a shant. There's so much of that stuff in this movie. And they're like running from a demon and um, he ends up trying to sacrifice her. It doesn't work. She moves on. But like it establishes like, oh, he's going to have the real Doctor Strange is going to have to learn to care about this girl. And that stuff feels so ham fisted and obvious to me that like I'm just like, OK, that's what they have to do. Fine. I don't care. So, no, but the humor. Um, I don't think Sam Raimi's a particularly funny director. And my experience is mostly the Spider-Man movies. But I'll also point out the difference. Again, he directed it. He did not write it. It was written by Michael Waldron, who I don't really know um, by name. So I wouldn't fault the humor uh, or the lack of humor in this case to Sam Raimi necessarily. I wouldn't lay that at his feet, but he didn't save it with any um, cinematographical tricks or anything. I don't think it was a particularly funny movie. Well, there was a lot of moments that were meant to be funny that neither of us even breathed any differently. Yeah. And so writing aside, the director gives influence on how actors Mm -hmm. deliver lines. Sure. So the direction, you know, is the interpretation of a script. Yeah. So overall... How much did the humor work for you? Because it was no, I don't remember humor. We can both agree that this movie was trying to be funny at a lot of points, right? I, well, I believe you. I don't remember that, which <laughs> which maybe speaks to the fact that how unfunny it might have been. The, like when I think of funny Marvel, it's probably Thor, um, Galaxy. Oh, Guardians. sure, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Sure, um, maybe some early Iron Man stuff. Um, this did not strike me as a movie that A, needed to be that funny. And B, really was trying to, but I'm sure you could point out examples that I'm just forgetting about. Oh, it was it was littered like Salt Bay with yeah. attempted one-liners. Yeah, and they, they just, feel cheap to me Yeah, they just the didn't land. There's one that, that, that a character says to Strange where he's like, I understand why in another universe I probably hated you. 
It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. So all Marvel movies, this one included, require pretty massive suspension of disbelief. Sure. Was this movie enjoyable? Did you have fun? Do you, would you recommend it? What are your overall? Yeah, it's yeah. it's fairly, it's fairly, Um, I, I mean, for me personally, I'm not even going to go me personally. It's like middle Marvel. It's like lower middle Marvel for me. Um, Is it like Ant-Man tier? I think Ant-Man's okay. So it's below Ant-Man. The bottom of the list is like the Incredible Hulk. Mm. The top of the list is probably like Avengers or Thor. Um, and then, yeah, like the middle is like, uh, yeah, well, maybe Ant-Man is kind of in the middle. The Captain um, America. Ant-Man, I love Captain America. Uh, Ant-Man, like Guardians 2. Okay. Um, I think that one's pretty poorly done. Age of Ultron is closer to the bottom. This is between like Ultron and Guardians 2 for me. Okay. It's totally fine. If you like the character of Doctor Strange, you'd probably like this a little bit more. There's a bit of background that you need to know about the Scarlet Witch. Um, but we can talk about that all, I think, probably a little bit longer as we get going. In the meantime, what do you say we give it a rating and go from there? I'm good with that, man. All right. Out of 10, Johnny Summers, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It feels like a 7-1. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it feels like a 6 for me. Okay. And I think, you know, that's pretty reasonable. I, I don't think I'm going to see it again. Yeah, it, like, it got yeah. at least one point from me just because of the Sam Raimi-ness of it all. Mm-hmm. And there's that that Evil Dead feel. Like, yeah. I, I, anytime you can interject horror. I'm excited something. to talk about some of that stuff in the Danger Zone. Yeah. Um, but are, are you good for now? Yeah, I think I am. Okay. Then once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema on KZFR 90.1 FM. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is in theaters now. If you get the chance to see it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us again on social media, probably at Fresh Hop Cinema, or just send us an email to be sure at fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Doctor Strange, a review of that second beer, and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your preferred podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Hey, and welcome to the Danger Zone, everybody. It's part of the show where we spoil our movie of the week, in this case, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Consider this your final warning if you have not seen it and would like to without it being spoiled. Now's your chance. Pause the podcast, come back and listen after you've seen the movie, which is two hours and six minutes long. We'll be back in no time. In the meantime, we're going to spoil it. So here we go. Johnny Summers. Let's start with, um, you keep mentioning how this turns into a Sam Raimi movie. What mm-hmm. do you mean? Uh, the horror aspects. Okay. There's a creep factor, a a violence that is not like many other Marvel movies that we've seen. Yes. It's very dark. It's very, very dark. ominous. Yeah. Uh, very, very spooky. When does this happen in the movie? Uh, about the time you said the thing did the thing. Yeah, there's, the, there's a very classic Hollywood sort of iris closing effect that happens. Uh, think of like the James Bond thing where the gun barrel sort of th- that circle that happens, but it closes and widens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens. And then, and then the movie shifts. You're right. Um, at this point in the plot, um, I don't remember exactly where we were, but like we've clearly established Wanda is not good. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, you're right. And they're on the run yep. at this point. And they're trying to get to Kamartash. And I'm the, the I'm good a, book. Dude, no, Kamartash is the place. That's about oh, what I was, was going to say. Is like there's, there's like the book of, of Gudrud. And, and the, there's a Wandabad. There's a lot of. Um, Which is an ironic lingo. name. For Wanda the bad? I'm pretty sure that was the name of the mountain no, where the not. shit's carved oh, on the walls. That can't be right. <laughs> it sounded like it. I'm pretty sure they were saying Wanda bed. 
Um, well, I'm gonna look up some of this terminology because they are like I leaned over to you at the beginning of this movie. Was like they set up the there needs there must be an antithesis to this book of evil, and then one person I think it's Wong is like there are there are rumors of a book that will grant a wizard any power he needs to defeat any type of evil. You have to go find it, and I was just like, come on. Like it's the most obvious, boring MacGuffin setup ever. Yeah. It was like, okay, well, I guess that's what this movie's going to be. It's these characters running from bad guys trying to find the book of Amerlock or something. Yoshi. I don't yeah. know. Uh, what's kind of cool, though, is like they subverted that whole MacGuffin because the book didn't do shit. I did like that. Yeah. That made me happy. Um. Yeah. Okay. So So. anyways, this all happens. And the movie takes a turn. Becomes, you said, more Sam Raimi-ish. Yeah. Horror-y. Very hoary, very campy, very like 80s, 90s horror. There was a ton of, of VFX done by uh, Industrial Light and Magic. ILM, um, baby. Uh, but there was also some really cool practical effects, namely a zombie Doctor Strange, which sure. was fantastic with the, the practical effects. That was fun. And the actual mouth moving. So foreign. Uh, it looked great. I just, I loved seeing it. Uh, but it did. It had this tone of violence and edginess and it had a real like the stakes all of a sudden were like oh shit they're killing people off like crazy well let's talk about the people that get killed off because that was one of my favorite parts and you actually went to go get us another beverage at that point yeah but um at one point they, they travel dr strange in america to um jim was there right go they go to this different universe where um it's kind of like earth but it's more utopian it seems and there are sort of different people that ended up being the captain america and the captain marvel and um yeah Reed Professor Richards, xavier was there right so yeah patrick stewart shows up which was really nice and it was this nice moment of like oh like they're integrating stuff and and john krasinski played reed richards mm -hmm. which who you don't know if you don't know sure. that is uh one of the members of the fantastic four yeah, of marvel boy. lord the yeah. stretchy man it's not his name no his name's his name's captain fantastic i think his name's Reed Richards. It's definitely not Stretchy Man. No, I was obviously no. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that's the Stretchy. He's, he's, yeah. I'm pretty sure his name's like Captain Fantastic or something. Elast what is his name? Elastigirl. <laughs> um, anyways, it's like the, so they have this council moment, um, and then uh, Wanda shows up, kills all of them except Mordo, in some pretty intense ways, and that's when I was like, oh, I think I used the word irreverent talking. Like, you can't kill Doc, Professor Xavier like that. Yeah wild to me yeah that was a scary moment she comes out of the fog and like snaps his neck very scary yeah so it you realized quickly that this turned into a more serious film with yes. with a bit more stakes a bit more life and death thrown right at you yep darker in tone and in literal like set design everything was a bit more drab and there was yep. a lot of dark colors specifically at the very end with like the the evil dr strange with the third eye yeah yeah so yeah. Really like the turn that that took. Definitely Sam Raimi took over. And if you're a fan of his work, I think you'll really enjoy those parts of this movie. A couple things to clear up. It wasn't Wanda bad. It was uh, Mount Wondagore. So not totally different, but not the same. Yeah. Wondagore. Um, the book that I was trying to think of was the book of Ashanti. Uh, Vishanti, the book of Vishanti, to clear that up. Um. Yeah, man. Some of the the horror stuff I also enjoyed. What's up? There's a lot of lore in there's this. There's a ton of lore. Like, like I'm just kind of skimming the plot on the Wikipedia page, and there's some like Kamartaj is like a thing they've mentioned in the past. But that's the place, right? It's the training ground yeah. for wizards, I guess. Um, and then it doesn't help. They do this in beer sometimes. They'll name a new hop like HBC 
8-37. It's like, no one remembers that. So there's places here, like the different universes are like Earth 838 or Earth 606. It's like, just can y'all just name it something easier for us? Right. Um, Because one of them's like normal Earth, but they called it like, yeah, Earth 6, uh, I don't see it here. 602? Uh, something like that, 60 something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and there's a ton of it. And there's there was a point where I leaned over to you because Wong was walking Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, through this old temple. She doesn't ask him anything. He just goes, in like 2,000 years ago, a man carved his evil. And it's like, why? A, why are you giving the bad guy information? B, like, don't. It's just so much unnecessary lore that like, we don't need to understand to yeah. appreciate what's happening. Like, she's bad. She's, there's clearly a sacrificial altar. Like, some yeah. shit's going to go down. Yeah. And you're so, giving her the keys to the castle. Right. Like, hey, Wong, be, be shut quiet, the fuck Wong, up, just, though, huh? just It's like, you don't have to tell her that yeah. stuff, man. I leaned over and said, Max, whose team is this guy on? Yeah. He's not um, helping us out here. Yeah, this 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 was scary. Towards the end, this got scary. I, I liked that too because some of it did feel the practical effects were great. Um, as CG effects go, there's a time where a bunch of damned souls yeah that become was cool. a cape, yeah, kind of a cloak. Yeah, a cloak. It's fair. not a cape. Fair enough. Um, that stuff was fun. I think the zombie thing was kind of silly, but also fun. The chase scene that happens with Wanda underneath the river or whatever that felt very horror to me. Just like running from zombies. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. Definite some suspense. I could tell mm -hmm. you enjoyed like, yeah, mm -hmm. I like that. It, it parts of the movie that I enjoyed the most too. I, and where this movie kind of loses me is with some of those emotional beats that have to be established in the beginning. Like, like the Christine stuff where, yeah. why would you go to her wedding? By the way, super weird. And if you're at her wedding, Steven, don't be like, Hey, I always, you know, we could have worked like, don't be a dick, dude. Yeah. Don't say that at somebody's wedding. Right. It's inappropriate. Um, but then like, so we have to deal with that. Like he has unresolved feelings for Christine, which are going to come into play when he meets new Christine. And then like maybe those two people can yeah. be friends or lovers and whatever, like across the multiverse. I know. And then ugh, we never quite figured that out. It looks like we never will shut up. Just like, we didn't need any of that. I don't think, um, what's something you liked about this? What's another thing you liked? Well, I really enjoyed Danny Elfman's score. Yeah, I remember I, you leaning over me like, oh, that's why I like this. Yeah, because halfway through, I'm like, I really like the vibe mm -hmm. that this the score is setting down. And sure enough, credits roll, scored by Danny Elfman. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. He adds such an atmosphere. I mean, that's why him and Tim Burton have been essentially symbiotic throughout their entire careers is that he just adds this layer of Elfman frosting mm -hmm. that just is the icing on top of every movie cake. And it worked in this, and I really dug it. And uh, there was a scene towards the end where, like, essentially our Earth's, our reality's Doctor Strange is fighting evil Doctor Strange, mm -hmm. the guardian of the the bad book in yes. that universe. And at one point, like, musical notes get turned into weapons. I do love that. That was pretty majestic. Very cool. Like, that was Excuse me. Maybe like the apex of as far as like just the magic fighting for yeah, me. I was like, that was for sure, man. Never seen that. And yes. then like all the notes get bundled up into like a big power ball. Of, and then he throws yeah. it and it's just like an orchestra just crashing. Yeah. Like yeah. I really love the sound design on that. I thought it was really creative and unique yeah. in the way that they integrated those. Dude, when, when they drop it out and he gets that one note from the harp and that's the thing that pushes it over the edge. Doink. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was very I forgot about that for a minute. That's a very inventive part of that movie. Yeah, it was, that. it was pretty cool. I think that was yeah, that was one of my favorite parts in the movie. Right after that, we see him fall down, get impaled on a gate. Christine sees him, goes and looks, and then he like opens his third eye. Mm -hmm. Is that was that just a jump scare? 
Uh-huh. Or is that guy still alive? Like, what's the idea? Or is that why at the end, when when real when our Stephen gets the third eye, like, did he, I'm like trying to read into it. Like, did he get possessed by that Stephen or what? No, I think that that I mean, the third eye signifies like a knowledge uh, and like an, an accessing of, yeah. of new knowledge and stuff. So I am pretty sure that that happened because he dreamwalked and like wielded the evil book, sure. it, like opened portals. In mm-hmm. his, that's what they were going for. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure that's the correlation. So there. guy's dead. He's just and he's just dead. Threw that into yeah, and that basically means that uh, this universe or this reality is Doctor Strange has wielded that book and has dreamwalked, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why. Uh, help me out here. Charlize Theron showed up oh, and was like, yeah. you dreamwalked, you caused a, an incursions. Yeah, an in, insurgence. An, an, uh, incursion. Oh, by the way, there was not, there was, we only stayed for one post-credit scene. Was there two? Maybe. That's what I'm asking. If there was a second post-credit scene, please somebody let us know. Yeah. I could Google it. I'm not gonna. Okay. Google too much. Yep. Today. Fair. Um, But we both, we had two white claws. The first one being sort of a resigning ourselves to this film. We're like, all right, there it goes. So we'll drink this one. And then it started getting good. And we're like, should we get another white claw? <laughs> no, what happened was young Max Bernard leaned over and says, I'll Rochambeau you for who well, goes for the next white same claw. Same destination, just a different yeah, journey. There. It was nice. It was instigated by you. And I it think that's, was. you were the impetus. And I loved yeah. that. I was like, this is going to be a the good catalyst. day. Yeah. Um, and then we had, yeah, a couple of white claws. And then by the end of it, it was like, like the movie is fine. The first post credit scene with Charlize Throne was fine. But like, maybe we should just go to the bathroom. Yeah, I had to pee so bad. Um, well, I'd like to experience that sensation again in my near future. So should we try beer number two? You good with Doctor Strange? What? You need to pee? No, I'd like to get to that point. So I'd like to drink another beer. Oh, let's do it. Okay, what is, uh, what's our second beer, dude? Again, from Longston Farmhouse Ales, we are dipping into Forager. It is an Imperial Porter. It was brewed in collaboration with Chief Carl Hall of Forager Goods and Company. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and stop you there. That is That's a chef. <laughs> Shit. Uh, hey, it's a term of endearment. <laughs> it is, hey, chief. But, yeah, I mean, you're one letter off, but you know, I think it's. I think the food connection is probably what matters here more than the potential native connection. That's fair. Okay, know. so he might be a chief in your eyes, but in the world's eyes, he's a chef. Sure. Chef Carl Hall of Forager F- Goods and Co. Imperial Porter aged in freshly emptied American oak rye whiskey barrels with candy cap mushrooms, aroma of chocolate, vanilla, and maple syrup complement this smooth drinking dry finishing strong ale um okay we're both relatively hot on porters i think imperial porters less of a sample size can you name two imperial porters i can name one i think imperial shadow of a doubt from russian river imperial or or not i think it's just a porter i think you might be right but i don't know is vikings lament from um field work that sounds right, but I'm not positive. I'm really bad at this sort of thing coming up on the on the fly with like my my database. I really wish I just had like a book in front of me with the beers that we've done by category. Wow, this uh, beer, big nose, yeah. like blind. This is a barley wine. Oh yeah, it's it's super. Well, there's there's coffee on the back burner a little bit, but it was very very sweet and kind of toffee and caramely smelling. That's great. Yeah, um, it has. Yeah, I'm guessing. Like blind guess, that's a hundred percent of barley wine. So I'm super stoked to to check. That's this out. weird, man. I just tried it. Um, that is making my mouth water in a very um intense way. Um, off the bat, I want to say because the price tag is facing me, this beer was closer to ten bucks. Do you remember how how much the first one was? Uh, no. It seems like it'd be less than ten, huh? Mm-hmm. Um. Also, pretty pissed off that we didn't read the bottom of Intergalactic Cemetery while we were uh getting into the movie. Another dimension. 
another dimension. dimension. Um, unless that's a Star Trek reference, which it might be. But you would know, and you don't seem to have it registered. It's not ringing any bells. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. This is uh, this is a lot. This beer is a lot. It's not the thickest beer I've ever had, too, which is surprising because there's so much there flavor-wise. I think it almost needs more thickness. More thickness. I think so. I mean, that's the the main argument against porters in general is that yeah. they are are weak on which, the which body. Which is fine in a porter. But if you're going imperial, I think, well, I don't know. You don't want it to turn into a stout, so maybe not. You've also been staring wistfully into your computer screen for a minute. I'm hoping you can tell me something about candy cap mushrooms. You're goddamn right I can. Yeah. I've been reading about candy cap mushrooms. What is that? They are a mushroom that is notorious for their maple flavor. Really? Yeah. It's candy cap is aptly named. They are very sweet. Uh, this article I'm reading actually is from a website called foragerchef.com. Uh, and they say they smell so strongly of maple syrup that it almost tastes unnatural. They sm Do people eat these raw? You can cook with them. So, I mean, like okay. any mushroom you can cook with, you can eat raw. Uh, the flesh and latex of candy caps should always be mild tasting to somewhat sweet, lacking any hint of bitterness or acridity. What's the latex in a mushroom? I think that's the underside, the, the, the bottom, like the, 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 the part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, weird. Okay. Do people eat the stems in mushrooms? Is that part of it? I know you eat some. Is that like a thing for all of them? Or do you like? I feel like mushrooms are so perfectly grown. It's so stupid. You just like pull the top off and like eat that. I eat the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I like pretty much in every mushroom. I don't like portobello stems. Okay. I, I prefer the cap. The stems just are a little dry and a little um, like acidic, yeah. like tart, like it feels spongy to me. Yeah, it's just not the best. But okay. you know, cremini's and and mm -hmm. all the other mushrooms. Yeah, those are great. I'll just chop them up whole. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I imagine you would eat the whole thing depending on the size. It looks like this is what a candy cap mushroom looks like. It's very flowery, oh, very billowy. Yeah. Almost like a lion's mane type shape. I could see that. Yeah, it almost it also could almost look like a um, a very flat. There's a particular type of bomb when it goes off. It, it looks like a nuclear bomb, but instead of being so pillowy at the top, it kind of flattens. And that's kind of or like almost like a erupting silo is kind of what i'm looking at on your mm. screen just to give people some context yeah that makes sense uh it's a cool looking mushroom i've it's, never yeah seen them like available for purchase so it's it's also like reddish orangish which yeah. is not what i was picturing i was picturing more of yeah like a portobello kind of earthy brown or something um do can you tell me where they grow because they i've also never seen them around and i'd be curious to try one one day and and more curious to know like what what inspired these people to put this in their beer? Um, well, uh, it is uh, native to the West Coast in California and Oregon, and as far north as into central southern Washington. So okay. it's a, a short drive I mean, from it, Washougal. Yeah, anywhere where there's spruce and Douglas fir or hardwoods. Hardwoods, huh? Uh, so I mean, we're in the right part of the world for it. I mean, why haven't we seen any? I don't know, and you know, I might have seen them before, but. Uh, when it comes to yeah. going to like the farmer's market, like I've been to farmer's markets in Portland. Mm -hmm. If there's, if you're going to see candy cat mushrooms at a farmer's market, I would guess it would be there. Uh, but I always gravitate towards mushrooms that I'm more familiar with the flavor profile. Every once in a while yeah. I'll gravitate out of them. And a lot of times if you meet a farmer that's harvesting fungi and they let you like try one, you mm -hmm. can kind of get a feel for what it's going to do sure. after you cook it. You get tasting notes and like ideas as far as recipes, but um, I feel like we could probably find these around. I don't, I don't know. I'll yeah, be, I don't know either. Um, maybe I'll go on a mission. This beer is super boozy, dude. 
It's super boozy and sweet. It feels more than 10%. It absolutely does. And there's a ton of earthiness. It only resembles a barley wine on the nose. When you get it in you, there's really earthy notes, like very, very just a... Not like a dirt floor. It's like a a really healthy soil. The way like mm, when you're walking mm, through the forest nice, and you grab nice, nice, like, nice. The, and it kind of just like crum- I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, like, keep talking though because nobody the, else knows. The dirt is soft and like enriched and fertilized yeah, yeah, and yeah. like is black and you can just tell like if you've ever gardened or dealt with plants at all like you know what good healthy dirt yeah. feels like. This has a taste and an aroma of that really just healthy good fertile dirt Uh, and that has to be in part to the earthiness of a mushroom i mean being made with a mushroom Mm -hmm. i would imagine that has some influence on the smell for sure um but yes only on the nose does it resemble a barley wine everything else i'm getting full porter notes with heavy earth a little bit of herbaceousness a little bit of spice yeah definitely like notes of like roasted toffee and maybe some sprinkles Mm -hmm. of brown Mm -hmm. sugar uh, very much so like sit in the woods outside of Seattle yeah. a- around Redwoods and there's ferns everywhere. That's nice. And you're just breathing in misty morning fog. It's a morning thing for you. Oh, yeah. So for me, it's more here's where I'd picture myself. If I, when I taste this, here's the image that comes to mind. I'm laying under a northwestern starry sky. Oh, I like that. Um, a quilted plaid picnic blanket is underneath me. I'm, I'm eyes up to the sky. It's, it's nighttime. It's dark. Full moon. Crescent moon. You can still see the stars. You're in grass, but again, the blanket's underneath you, so the grass isn't like itchy. It's very peaceful. There's a breeze kind of blowing things around. And you've just had, you've had a leftover from your picnic basket. Yeah, like a brown sugar walnut scone. Mm. It's just kind of just left a little bit of a coating in your mouth, and you've had a sip of a, of a tasty little beverage, and it's lingering with sweetness. And it makes you feel all warm and toasty inside. There's maybe a wolf howling in the distance. And you, you make friends with a with a little firefly who's out past snail. bedtime. Snail. Damn it. <laughs> That's a much different image. No, it's a firefly. And and he's just lost looking for his colony. And he comes and lands on your hand just right here. And you go, hey, man, you want some of this beer? And he tries it. He gets drunk and dies. <laughs> <laughs> you, you go back to enjoying your beer. And it's it's just a, it's a feeling of cool, earthy serenity. Yeah. That almost comes up to greet you as you bring the glass to your mouth. I is, like that. Is what I'm getting. Serenity is a through line throughout mm-hmm. both of our experiences. Yes. Yeah. It remind it takes me immediately back to a campground that I stayed in just uh just yes. outside of Puget Sound. Lay it on me. Um and it was in the like in the heart of a redwood forest, mm-hmm. like surrounded mm-hmm. by a thousand year old trees, ferns everywhere. It looked yeah. like Endor. So naturally nice. as as the biggest Ewok enthusiast on the planet, fight me. Uh, <laughs> I was in I was in heaven. And so, you know, just Early morning fog. Yeah, yeah. It smelled like this beer tastes, some, you know, somehow. Uh, notes of earthiness come up in both mm-hmm, of our mm-hmm, reviews. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. If you don't like earthy, like uh, almost umami flavors. There it is. Yeah, it's not quite, it's not dirt. It's, but it's a very, it's a very terrestrial sort of. Um, like an earthy richness. Yeah. 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 And almost a bit of nuttiness. I mean, honestly, this beer would be fantastic to make. Some sort of like Asian fusion dish. With, oh, nice! Because there's there's those mushroom notes, the yeah. earthiness, a subtle yeah. sweetness, but then this uh, like odd little nuttiness, like a mm-hmm. almost like a toasted sesame oil. Mm. Um, multifaceted and 
kind of like wavering back and forth between a little sweet and a little savory. Yeah. Uh, one of the more unique beers I think we've done on the show in a while. The other through line that I have is the heat, the alcohol. Heat it is. It does. It's taste strong. It's leaving a very intense heat sensation in my mouth, especially on my tongue, making it very heavy. And now that I've had a couple of sips, it's, it's down into my stomach and it feels, it feels, my stomach feels like a dumbbell in a, in one of those old, old school food delivery, um, uh, you know, a dumb waiter. Is it called a dumb waiter? Yeah. Okay. My stomach feels like a dumb waiter. That's like fully loaded with a giant meal full of truffles and mushrooms. And I feel like Nick Cage should be cooking with the, so I did too. Like it's so close to man, our review of pig, uh, which if you haven't heard is on our Patreon, Johnny saw for the first time recently, we reviewed it. Um, he's a truffle hunter outside of Portland and, and the entire mood of this beer is that movie plus the movie first cow. Mm-hmm. If you ask me. Yeah, 100%. So serene. What this is like movie. Nick Cage's house beer in the movie Pig. For sure. Like this is, is, yeah, man, it's really his good. fridge is just filled with Logston beer. Yeah, with, with Logston Forager. Yep. Um, we're drinking this, by the way. I don't know that it super matters here, but um, this was canned on February 11th. So, you know, about three months for us. Still pretty good for a quarter. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm into it. I don't love it because some of that heat is kind of putting me off a little bit. It's 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 disrupting my evening in my meadow. It's like just coming and punching me in the face just. It's wham. a it's a it's a vibe I don't think we were either of us were ready for. But now that we're here, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it's, it. It's you know, in beer as in life, man, like you will find some truth when the mushrooms hit. That's a really weird way to turn this, but okay, fair enough. Like when when it's here, how yeah. are we going to take it? Right. Um yeah, other than the the alcohol heat, I like all of this. I like the multi-layers. I think there's a lot to talk about, a lot to taste, a lot to experience. How, how do you feel about the carbonation here? It's a little too effervescent. Yeah. it's. Yeah. I would like this a little bit flatter. Yep. But also I'm worried that if it did, it would get into soy sauce realm. Dude, true. I was going to say it would go too sweet actually, but but I think, yeah, you'd either need less carbonation or more body. Yeah. Um, Something in the middle there would be nice. Well, but as it's presented, I think it's one of the more thought provoking and quite frankly it's it's uh brought to light one of the more flowery conversations we've had about a beer in a while so points to it for that yeah it's true it's fun to talk about yeah totally man um beer makes for good content is it great to drink i don't know it's pretty good i think it's pretty good uh i suppose we're at the point where we should rate it out of 10 young maxwell oh i almost just was impulsive i'm gonna stick with it though no i'm gonna go eight i was gonna go seven i'll go eight i think it's really good fair eight eight out of ten super solid beer um ten bucks though um so pretty expensive i don't know that i'd buy it again if it were cheaper i probably would but it's really good i dig it what about you i'm gonna say this is a 7.8 yeah i i find it fascinating in that it has so many layers there's so much nuance to it it's obviously a beer that was made with great care sure which i super appreciate yep. it, it reminds me of of a, a finely crafted dish Mm -hmm. like a course in a really great meal with Mm -hmm. super local fresh ingredients like it has those elements of care and attention that i really appreciate for sure um overall though i don't know if it's the most enjoyable but it is it is thought provoking and it kind of makes you get in touch with all of your 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 taste buds and figure out what's going on yep and i mean there's not often times we encounter a beer where it's like we really have to break it down. A lot of times we're like, that's what it tastes like. Yes. Let's figure out 
a way to talk about that. I mean, this beer made it easy to talk about. So Uh I think in that there's redeeming qualities. This would be a fun beer to try with friends over a meal. I'd recommend outdoors. Uh, Great. Unless you live in like the city or something. Yeah. Then put something on your TV that is like a nature documentary. Put on uh, uh, (laughs) David Attenborough. No. Uh, Avatar 2. Our state parks. Oh, sure. With uh, um, Barack Obama. Oh, that's right. We talked about yeah. that last week. That was last week. Yeah, I'd put that on. If you sure. don't have a yard or some nice woods nearby. Uh, yeah, definitely a, a fun beer to talk about with friends that have, you know, any interest in craft beer and maybe can pick apart. Like, I'd love to drink this with a brewer. Yeah, I think sure. that'd be fascinating. I'd like to drink this with this brewer. No shit. I'd be like, what Like what did you? Yeah, like, walk me through. That would be a fun offshoot for this show, like bonus episodes on Patreon. Like, we sit down with a brewer and be like... Can you just walk me through, like, start to finish, like, what inspired the beer, and then go. Yeah. Just, and I'll just sit there and drink the beer while you talk about it. Totally. And, like, I ask questions. Like, uh, like, Charlie, Ronan Fermentation, has offered, has offered to do that with Maybe us. Maybe we start so with Charlie. We, he, we've pretty much got a standing invite to go up there. Yeah. So, uh, and he's actually done a couple beers, I think, with mushrooms, if I'm not mistaken. He has. Well, one that we did, the, multi, the Multiverse Lives, actually, was, was one of his, <laughs> which was made with that Asian fungi. That's a, that's a segue that totally. I didn't even. Yeah. Um, before we move on from this, you've hinted at unintentionally a question that I have about beers that I that I don't I no longer have about movies. Some friends, casual movie watchers, I think watch movies probably for enjoyment. You want to feel good. You want to escape. You want to watch something that makes you feel better. And more often than not, that's me. That's true. But you appreciate a movie sometimes, depending on the movie, that doesn't necessarily make you feel good if it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think that as a rule, movies don't have to be enjoyable to be good well yeah it's because that's the the bridge between movies and films or movies and i don't like this yeah we need to rephrase this. movies and art no well yeah because think about art as a whole art is not necessarily meant to be enjoyed it's meant to provoke thought so sometimes those thoughts are not necessarily i think it's a square and rectangle thing like like all, all art is evocative of some emotion but but particular pieces of art are trying to evoke something specific. Sure, exactly. But it's not always happy. No, 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 of course not. My point, uh, my question then is like, do all beers have to be enjoyable to be good? And I think maybe not. No, I don't like, think so Even if we didn't like the flavors here, um, we could still appreciate the layers of the beer. And that's how I feel about Saison's most of the time. Like mm-hmm. I really don't like a lot of those flavors, but I can most of the time appreciate one that is made well. I don't like it, but I can see that like that's, Good, probably. Yeah. Well, and, and we throw around the phrase, uh, you know, a well-made beer mm-hmm. a lot uh, just to emphasize just overall quality mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and manufacturing. But like something like this with ingredients that are so off the wall mm-hmm. really is indicative of care and like nuanced mm-hmm. recipe development yeah, because yeah. you're going so outside the norm. So I, I would agree with that, that maybe even if we didn't like this beer, I think we would have to speak of it objectively in right. a way that is reflective of the care of the ingredients and yeah. like the it is an intriguing flavor profile totally. whether your palate enjoys it or not it's like a really good wine sure i've had really like i don't know how much wine expensive wine costs but a like, lot a lot like i've had people have brought wine mm-hmm. to dinner part whatever you have good wine yeah where you're like wow this is a, like i would never buy this for however much it's worth but yeah. like like I could, but I don't, I'm not gonna. <laughs> and I don't particularly enjoy it. Yeah. But I think it's in, intriguing, and I want to talk about it. And I think it's 
fascinating the way it's made. So like sure. there, there's that attention and that quality yes. that even if your palate doesn't enjoy something and you don't want to consume the whole bottle, like a lot of wines, you mm-hmm. know, I buy a bottle of wine. It's like, oh, it's good. I'm just like going to drink fine. it. I like the label. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that level yes. of like, might not be the most, no one's going to call this beer chuggable. No. It and if, is. If they do, we should send them to somebody. Yeah. Um, there's a quote by, uh, 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 I think it's, it might be an anonymous quote at this point. I can't remember, but, but the quote is about movie critics. The least interesting thing you can talk about a movie is your opinion. Like, or, or is like, if you enjoyed it, mm. cause, cause that's fine. But, but there's so much that goes into a movie that your enjoyment of it is kind of secondary to everything else. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm so curious to see you revisit something like La La Land or Arrival movies that I think are objectively well-made. And while you might not like them. On a rewatch years and years later, you might now be like, those are good movies. I just don't like them. Yeah. I can't wait for those moments. Because I think, yeah, we both like, I just, uh, uh, what's a good example for a beer? Um, um, I'm a, man, I've liked a lot of the beers we've done recently. But presumably there is one where I was like, this is gross. I don't like it. But also, great. You know what a good movie example is? Like Lars von Trier, Antichrist. Oh, uh, yeah. I've only seen it once, so I'm not gonna die on this hill but i think it's probably a well-made movie it really is. i really fucking hate that movie yep. but that's not a reason for me to be like that's terrible like maybe it's still good and so i just don't like it it's possible to hate a good movie of course it is yeah like arrival is a great movie you don't have to like it and that's fine yeah my opinion doesn't take away from the fact that maybe objectively it is a good movie and your well, your enjoyment of it not your opinion it, of it, your exactly. enjoyment of it well i think yeah two are no, because your opinion might be it's a good movie that I don't like. Right. Great opinion. <laughs> your enjoyment yeah. does not affect its objective. Yeah, goodness. but then like who decides if something is a great movie? Like the general. That's it, fucking art, dude. That's, that's art. what I'm saying. Like I don't, that's the weird middle. That's why art's great. Guys, we just figured out art. Yeah. And again, like Doctor Strange, fine. But like this it did not evoke these kind of conversations. No. Which is fine. So join our Patreon. Yeah. Why? For more shit like this. <laughs> felt- no, it's nice. Good. Finally, you're trying to get people on Patreon. <laughs> We're in this boat because of you, dude. Yeah, no shit. It's fine. Um, do you have anything else on this beer? Uh, no, other than I'm just happy that they are canning, and I'm happy that they're getting creative with the beers that they are canning, and I'm very happy that they are more accessible. You should grab... This beer and our first beer, sure. uh, Inner Cerebral... Intergalactic Cemetery. Yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, at SNS. Yeah, uh, look for our little logo. It's on the it's on the beer fridge. Uh, you can, you if you want to, um, basically from now forever, as far as we know, um, you can scan the QR code on that window cling, and then you can listen along. You can buy those beers that day and then put on the show, and then once you get home, drink along with us, and you can experience these emotions and these... Uh, metaphors and analogies of laying in forests in real time. And maybe you feel the same things. And then you can write us in to our email and we can all kind of make the world feel a little bit smaller and less scary. Or maybe we'll just lay in the forest together. Sure. Uh, okay. Well, again, just to, just to recap, cause we've gotten on a bit of a tangent um, forager here. It was a 7.8 for you. It's an eight for me. Those are uh, logs and beers. They're at SNS. They're probably um, at other places here in Chico cause they made their way all the way from uh, the, the Northwestern tip of America ish. Uh, so get it and let it let us know what you think if you do. Mm-hmm. Let's move into hot and bother. What do you think? Let's do it. Hot and um, Johnny Summers, hot and bothered. New listeners, that's where we talk about other stuff, just in our lives. Um, should we sort of tackle this one together? The first one? <laughs> Let's do it. 
to it, buddy. Every now and again, apparently, <laughs> my Facebook gets hacked. It's happened twice now. Um, my first time was a couple years ago. I was in Norway and I got an email saying, hey, we received your email to reset your password. And I didn't get that email in time. So somebody else did, hacked my Facebook. I no longer had access to it. It was gone. It's kind of weird how these occurrences happen around major like turning points in your life. Isn't it? Isn't that weird? It is weird. Um, it's too personal for these people. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that was fine. I was I cut my losses. We rebuilt our Facebook page. I rebuilt my Facebook page. Um, and our Instagram at the time was unaffected. A couple days ago, my Facebook was hacked again. Um, and I got an email saying, Did we received your request to reset your password? And this time I caught it and I said, that was not me. Cut it out. And I caught it. I changed the password changed the password to the email with which my Facebook was associated, subsequently deleted that email off my Facebook. So no problems again. Now we're having a technical issue with Facebook where they're supposed to send my phone a code and it just, it sends me the code, but Facebook's like, we can't send you the code, sorry. And I keep being like, send me the code, send me it in, click, click, click. And then it's like, you've clicked too many times, you have to wait 24 hours. This has been going on for about four days. Unfortunately, my Facebook is now tied to our Instagram account, the podcast Instagram account, which is now not around as of the time of this recording. Hopefully that changes, but it's been a real pain. Um, it happened after a show where I got home at like 1130. So I stayed up until like 230 in the morning trying to fix stuff. So I haven't really slept because then I went to to hang out with my mom in Modesto for Mother's Day and came back and then, and then 24 hours had gone by. So I was like, well, I'll try it again. Then I was up to like four o'clock because our Instagram is good. Our Instagram's great. And our Facebook, my Facebook is the admin for our Patreon group. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want that to go away. We have so many fun events coming up on Patreon. It was one domino that fell and took down our Damn whole it. social media infrastructure. Anyways, so that's a real bothered for both of us. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. I feel like I did I told the whole story. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. It's on your list too. Well, I'm real bummed out about it. We took some great photos. We did. Like really recently. We We've got some bangers. We can't lose all those pictures from Instagram and all those followers. All those memories. All those That's memories. <laughs> yeah. All those beautiful, beautiful memories. Yeah. Anyways, that's our current Instagram social media debacle. So yeah. that's where we're at. Yeah, it's a bummer. And hopefully we get it all resolved. Yeah. What else you got? I don't like what you have written. <laughs> I assume, I'm guessing, I think that's a Netflix show. So... <laughs> There is a show that I've been affectionately calling. Okay, good. Uh, Outer Rim Job. Because I can never remember what it's actually called that I have been neck deep in. Uh, but the show is actually called The Outer Range. It is an Amazon Prime original. Uh, it is starring uh, some pretty impressive cast members. Uh, the least of which are Josh Brolin and Imogen Poots. The least of which? Yes. <laughs> Not the least of which. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, you might know Imogen Poots uh, from her, Vivarium. her adorable name, and also Vivarium, the father. Uh, oh, she was in the father. Yeah, Green Room. Uh, she's been oh, in some yeah, dude. some fantastic movies. Yeah, I have my finger on the pulse of her career, uh, so I was very excited to see her as some sort of character. I won't spoil it in the outer range, uh, but this is a some sort of western modern western meets x-files type situation that's happening and it's one of it's a hot and bothered because this is one of the most frustrating shows i've ever seen in my life i mean it's who else is in this uh lily taylor and will Patton. you'll remember will Patton. 
Is that Coach Yost? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Who's the Lily Taylor? Yeah. Who's that? She's been. Let me see her face. It's that lady. She's been in a few different things. Oh, she's in The Conjuring. Yes. She's the mom in The Conjuring. She's the mom. Yeah, Yeah, sure. So, like, good cast, uh, but the writing is so all over the place, and the tone of this show is, like, a ping pong match. It's Uh like, it doesn't know what it wants to be. How many have you watched? I have watched all but two episodes. How many is that? Eight. There's eight total. I've watched six. So, I'm six hours into this. They're hour-long episodes? Yeah. Why do you keep going back? I want to know what happens. Why? Okay. So there's so many shows. Okay, I'm gonna give you like a like a 30 second synopsis. All right, here we go. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm gonna pull up my stopwatch. It's been a minute. This is a deep cut for Patreon listeners. Um, sorry, dude. Hang on. Stopwatch. Good. Cancel. Stopwatch. Start. Go. So Josh Brolin plays Royal Abbott. He is a third generation cattle ranch owner in the the uh <laughs> just miss Yellowstone. Yeah, exactly. It's it's Yellowstone <laughs> meets X Files. It's fucking frustrating. Yeah, okay. But he finds this giant hole in the middle of his property and you throw things into it. They disappear. He fucking gets pushed into it by Imogen Poots, travels back in time and then comes back to modern day. What the fuck is this hole? Time. That's how the show starts. That's the first episode. That's good. Good job then. So I'm like, I have to know what happens. And then it progresses and we're wondering about Imogen Poots's motivations and for pushing him into a, a, a black hole of and then, all. Yeah, and then yeah. more and more gets revealed. There's a murder. There's, so do you? I can't tell. Do you like it or not? I can't tell either, Max. I don't. But know. you are going to finish it. Yeah, I have to finish it. So the, you'll finish it. Because there's only two episodes. You'll oh, finish yeah, it for sure oh, by last week. Hundred percent. Last week. I'll finish it. Shoot. <laughs> Calm down, John Oliver. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I can't wait to hear. And then I would like to know because because the last time you said. Watch the show that I watched. It was uh, Our Flag Means Death, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'm not giving this show an endorsement yet. No. I have sunk money into it. Not literally, but it's that it's a gambling term. It's like, a shit pun. Once, once you've sunk so much money into a bet, you can't do anything but see it through. So, like, basically, no, I've, I've committed enough that's time. That's not right. I've committed enough time to this series no. where I have two episodes left. Okay, but that's not that's terrible logic. Yeah, it's logic that was coined off of a fucking gambling term. Obviously, it was not based yeah, on that good person decisions. Should not because here's the thing, man. It's why I walked out of Hellboy. I said this to Gianna at the time. We were in there together, and I was like, oh, "Like we've already we've been here for forty minutes. Like we might as well." And she was like, "No, you've been here for forty minutes. But like there's another hour. Like even if it was less than forty minutes, like you don't have to give up the rest of the time that is still potentially good time." Right. Just get out of there while you can. Just run. Leave with your winnings. Go. You don't have to see it to zero. Mm-hmm. But also, that's not how emotions and impulse and whatever works. So yeah. Get it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it out. And uh, right now, it's it's a thumbs squarely in the middle. Yeah, you're doing a, an emperor before the death or life of a gladiator. You're just yeah, doing this little exactly. It's it's like teetering. Ma- it's a quivering <laughs> thumb. Yeah. Completely horizontal. So yeah. we shall see. Josh Brolin has been really good in it. Um, Will Patton plays a complete fucking crazy person. He's good at that. He's real good at that. So I'm not sure why I think that. From I, something. From something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Imogen Poots is kind of still a complete mystery. Yeah. So the jury's still out. It's got two episodes to win me over. Right now it's completely. So rate it first six episodes. First six episodes? It's like a. A to F. A to F? Yeah, yeah. C plus. Oh, yikes! It's, okay, it's passing. Like, yeah, you're gonna graduate, but yeah, you might dig ditches. Like, yeah, you know, 
You'll learn about morning dew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to be up early. Yeah, for sure. I hope you like sunrises. You're going to be investing in a lot of gloves. That's great. situation. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. That's all I got. Other than that, my weekend was super busy. Watched a bunch of uh, UFC and, and some bare knuckle oh, boxing. Oh, yeah, you missed my show for that. Yeah. How was it? Was it a great fight? Oh, it was one of the worst I've ever seen. That sucks. Uh, the worst, one of the worst pay-per-view cards I've ever seen. Yeah. So it is what it is. This is the, the gamble you pay, but I didn't purchase it. It was a gift bestowed upon me. By who? My wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the only person that makes sense. No, I text. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, she she bought the pay-per-view because okay. she knew I How was How much is that sort of thing? I don't want to talk about it. Is it like, is it a lot? Yeah. How much? It's like 75 bucks. To watch, to watch people hit each other? Uh-huh. For how long? Like three hours. That's- no, Yeah, I know. It's too much. I know. Do you have commercials or no? No. That's nice. Yeah. They're hitting each other for that long? I mean, I know it's different people. Well, but there's a lot of fights. Yeah. How many? Uh, like nine. Nine fights? Yeah. Are there even nine fights worth watching in the UFC these days? Am I oh, right, yeah. boys? I don't know. <laughs> if it's not John's Bones Jones or Brock Lesnar, I don't want to watch it. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Randy Couture, baby. Well, he was one of the best ever. Of so course I'll give he you was. that. Respect. Iceman Chuck Liddell. Hell, yeah. I, He's the reason I got into UFC. My UFC information sort of stops at 2012. Okay. I got like 09 to 12. That's fine. I'm very knowledgeable. Not much has changed. Only the names. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's a revolving door of talent, but I don't like that guy, Jake Paul. Is he a UFC fighter? No. He's a YouTuber turned boxer. Oh, okay. Uh very gimmicky. Very very yeah. not cool. He seems like a jerk. Yeah. Seems like a cocky jerk. Kinda. Cause he is. Um, that's all I got. Though. Did, all. did you have anything else that has you obviously hot not dude. and or bothered? No, you made me talk not. about UFC for like 20 minutes. It was a long time. Um, you asked well, let's, well, that's true. Um, as usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our friends slash family on Patreon. Thank you. Of course, to the handlebar for the constant support and all of our future patrons. If you're listening back now from the future, thank you for joining. We really appreciate it. Um, if you want to get the beers we had today, they're at SNS. You can look for our window cling, um, and you can ask your cashier for 50% off. They probably won't give it to you, but you can ask. It's for the shot. <laughs> uh, and that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Drink some beers with mushrooms in them. Uh, watch, what did we talk about in the bonus? Uh, uh, Doctor Strange? No. Uh, um, 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 Pig. True Romance. Romance. Oh, nice. Watch True Romance Brittany, this week. what's up? Yeah. Shout out to our new patron, Brittany. Uh, and most importantly, uh, be excellent to each other. We love you, and we'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.